And next up is Dilip Rao. He is the Vice President of Research at the AI Foundation. So please join me in welcoming Dilip. Dilip. Thank you. There you go. Hi, everyone, and uh, thanks for coming. Um, my name is Jalab, and uh, uh, I work at the AI Foundation. At the AI Foundation, we work on a variety of uh, you know, generation and detection problems uh, using deep learning and a lot of other technologies related to it. Um, and particularly, the problems that I'll be talking about is actually um, on deep fakes. Uh, so, and the, the problem that Michelle was uh, mentioning, like you know, about disasters in uh, social media, reminded me of uh, another kind of disaster that is actually happening in social media today, which is that of misinformation. So today we are going to look at some solutions that AI Foundation and our partners are working on uh, on on, uh, on this misinformation problem. So. Uh, a big, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's not a surprise to anyone today that you know, any video content that you see is, um, is question, can be questioned. And the word deep fake itself has become a household term, right? And so we all know that seeing is not believing. And the same thing applies to hearing as well. So, and if you look at some of these, uh, some of these uh, examples, these examples you might have seen on the internet, for example, and some of them are very cute and funny. They appear even in comedy shows, and many of them are like downright scary, right? And uh, uh, and the same thing applies for audio as well. Like you know, it's not just visual fakes. Uh, speech today uh, can be cloned to the likeness of your voice in a way that was not possible before. And, um, and this has been used, you, I mean, the, the technology behind this, like voice synthesis, uh, or speech synthesis and voice conversion, they have existed for years. And it's only today that you know, we have these new technologies that allow us to uh, produce voice in the likeness of anybody's uh, uh, voice signature, and this has been used uh, successfully by you know uh, people to rob banks, to mislead uh, uh, executives in, uh, into signing fraudulent wire transfers. Um, so this is kind of brewing uh, uh, an, an inf information credibility crisis, if you will. And there are, uh, I would say, there are two sides to this credibility crisis. One is uh, is our um, inability to trust the real world. That is basically, it is coming from this ability to show anything fake and call it as real. And the other is um, the opportunity for plausible deniability, where we can. Um, uh, we, we have uh, we can basically refute anything. Uh, so it's basically our inability to show something real as real. So um, and you can always say, oh, this is fake, right? And how do we counter that? So so this is actually a real problem. Uh, and m m fake media is not new. So the uh, the image on the left is something that you might have seen in a lot of classrooms. Right, so this is Lincoln standing, 
And this is not uh, Lincoln, actually. Uh, it is actually, uh, you know, when they were trying to find a standing portrait of the president, they couldn't find any. So they took John Callahan, uh standing portrait, and they just put his face on it. And, and this has been the standing portrait of Lincoln that we use everywhere, right? Uh, and this is not any you know, uh, secret. Everybody knows this. And then Photoshop has happened, and we've come a long way from, from this. Um, but then, you know, in the last few years, uh, things have gone into a sort of Cambrian explosion, if you will. Uh, in 2014, we were able to generate uh, images uh, that were uh, black and white with, like, you know, very uh, low resolution, and it was very hard to make. Uh, uh, make what uh, make the details of the face clear, and, and as we progress uh, over the years, it is becoming uh, we're we're pretty much you know crossing this uncanny valley. And t today we are getting to a place where we can generate images of uh, uh, or generate faces with very high amount of detail. So. And there is also another interesting exponential uh, um, growth happening, and that is of social media. So as social media adoption is increasing, so is our capability to share it with a sh share or distribute messages exponentially is also increasing. Um, so virality is becoming a new phenomena. Uh, and if, if, you, if you just think about it, uh, going viral did not exist before social media, and unless like you know, uh, it was printed in mass media before. Uh, and so this is coupled with a lack of education and media consumption. We never went to classes where we learned how to consume media on the internet. So all these three things, you know, the exponential growth in, in generation technology, the exponential uh, distribution capability that comes with social media, and the lack of uh, education in how to consume this kind of information uh, is fueling this uh, perfect condition where what I call as the misinformation singularity, where you get into a place where you don't believe anything you see and hear, uh, unless we do something about it. So the question is, what are, what are we doing about it? There are a lot of people who are working on this problem. I'm not saying only AI Foundation is doing this, but I'm going to focus on some of our uh, solutions. Um, so. Uh, we're starting the 2020 election. We're building this platform called the Reality Defender. Uh, and the goal of Reality Defender is to become a formidable tool in this fight against deep fakes. Uh, and not just the video deep fakes, but also audio fakes and so on. Uh, so the, uh, to, to unpack that a little more, um, the goals for Reality Defender is, one, to bring the latest and the greatest from AI research to, and forensics research to production. Uh, a lot of the work today exists in 
um, laboratory conditions in the sense that you cannot take the code that you have uh, from a researcher and then deploy it in a product uh, setting because in the real world, the distribution of the input data keeps changing and the many of the modeling, et cetera, and the state of the art that we see are built under IID assumptions, right? Uh, and then what is really needed uh, and what we are working on is to create this interdisciplinary collaboration between academia, technology, startups, and the entire technology ecosystem, including uh, large cloud companies, uh, as well as uh, um, the government, uh, because uh, uh, we need the government actually acting and working with, our, with these companies and with academia, and, and also the media and entertainment industry. Um, all, these are just a few of the many stakeholders who are, uh, who are impacted by uh, this uh, deep fake and misinformation problem. Um, and the other goal we have is to build accessible tools, billable tools that, uh, that not just like you know, somebody who's, who has a PhD can use this, but also some uh, tools that could be used by journalists, fact-checkers, and anybody who's actually interested uh, on a self-serve basis. And so you can see how you know, scaling something like this uh, from uh, something that I did in my lab to, um, to something production-worthy that everybody can use requires a lot of uh, you know, participation from people as well as a lot of compute. And, and finally, you know, another uh, goal of, uh, of Reality Defender is to push the boundaries of science around misinformation uh, research. And we're doing that by establishing not just this collaboration with academia, et cetera, but also uh, creating data sets, resources, and um, like, you know, um, models and open source code and so on uh, to advance science and to have uh, and sponsor conferences and, so, and things like that. So I'll, I'll walk through some examples of uh, the work we have done under Reality Defender. Uh, in 2017, we funded uh, the Technical University of Munich uh, to, for the creation of the Face Forensics dataset, which is the first uh, deep fake dataset that was ever created. And the goal here was to build a large enough data set so that modern machine learning methods could be, uh, uh, could be utilized to build models uh, for countering deep fakes. And, uh, and of course, uh, many of these deep fakes produce artifacts that are very similar to the compression artifacts. So it is important to generate this data uh, or create this data set at different compression levels. And, uh, and this is uh, the first time something like that was done. And, uh, and as a result we, uh, of this, we produced a lot of models that can do defect detection, uh, but still under laboratory conditions, right? It's not in production. Uh, for instance, we could uh, learn a model that can detect a deep fake very well as long as you know, we know the method where uh, that was used to produce the fake, but if you have a new method, or uh, a lot of examples from a new method, it becomes, uh, or sorry, if you don't have a lot of examples from a new method, then it becomes really difficult for uh, the model to produce good results. Um, and not just detection, we are also interested in 
identifying the exact area of uh, the image or the video that is manipulated. And this sort of model, ex uh, being able to explain the prediction of the model is crucial in earning trust of the users because uh, you, you can't say, oh, this piece of content is fake and just leave it there because people will not trust your uh, you know, system, right? And uh, segmenting and identifying. So here you can clearly uh, see we are using some kind of a computer vision segmentation algorithm, and with the segmentation algorithm, is specifically focusing on uh, on areas that are manipulated. So then we, uh, this is another area of work uh, we've, where. Uh, we looked at this problem of like you know changing adversaries. So we have all these different you know methods for generation of fake content, and um, and then when we train a model for detecting a deep fake and try to use uh, uh, I mean use that model on this new adversary, the model fails. So the question is, how can we quickly bootstrap models uh, for these changing adversaries, right? And and that's uh, and here we use transfer learning, and our approach is called forensic transfer. Um, and the in the paper we show and a very simple example where uh, you know let's say uh, you're you're from the Department of Interior and you want to know if uh, certain images of forests and you know all these other. Uh, uh, in you know, uh, national parks, etc., have been faked, you know, manipulated in some way to mislead people, right? Uh, and you have uh, so this is a brand new uh, misinformation problem. And but let's say we have a model of like fake uh, faces that can uh, sorry model that can detect fake faces. Then the question now is, can we use this model to uh, quickly adapt or quickly fine tune? Uh, a new model that can detect manipulated, uh, you know, ge geographical areas. So, so that's uh, called forensic transfer, and we've been successful in doing that. And we just take uh, a few images, in fact, less than a dozen images, to quickly train and increase the accuracy of the model. Right and. Uh, uh, and obviously, this uh, works not across domains, but also even within domains. So, let's say if there is a new uh, fake generation method comes along, then we can apply this as well. And so, these were some uh, examples that I showed that were purely using pixel-level information for detection of fakes. Um, but then there are a lot of other interesting um, information that is present in a video uh, uh, that, that could be used, for example, like context. So I'll give some examples of uh, you know, algorithms we uh, developed with uh, Professor Hani Farid at UC Berkeley. Uh, and so here we look at uh, two different signals. One is the orientation of a person's head and, and what the person is speaking. And we kind of uh, have extract a behavioral signature of a person's head movement when they're speaking. And this, is, this actually is true, because you know, when we speak, we tend to have similar head movements for the certain kinds of sounds we produce. And if there's a mismatch in the head movement versus uh, the actual sound that is being produced, then we can detect that. And that can be used for discriminating fakes in a very pixel-independent way. It's, it's remarkable. 
And obviously, we can do that even with facial expressions. So in this case, we use the fax encoding, uh, which is facial action uh, coding system. Uh, and we can extract expressions, and then can expressions be uh, used to create a signature for a person? And can that be used to distinguish uh, whether a particular uh, piece of media was tampered? And this is interesting because we have, especially in the context of the elections, there, there are several people of interest, right? Uh, the presidential candidates, for example. And you want to be able to uh, identify any tampering for these special candidates. So these are like, you know, people of interest models as opposed to the general purpose models that we talked about earlier. And these, these models tend to be a lot more accurate. And finally, uh, you know, there are all these, uh, so all the examples we saw so far were for audio and, uh, sorry, for video and image detection. Uh, okay, we can also do, do apply the same methods uh, or variants of the same methods for uh, detecting audio fakes. Uh, so in this work, what we are doing is using a, a convolutional network uh, and, and using both multitask learning as well as transfer learning to, uh, to quickly train models uh, for different kinds of uh, you know, audio spoofing methods. And we are able to detect uh, manipulations in audio uh, with very high accuracy. And, um, and with very little amount of data. So for example, going from, uh, let's say, one attack vector to another, we can now cut down the amount of data to like around like 6%, which is like a couple minutes worth of data, right? And that's, uh, that's incredible. Uh, so, uh, and we are also releasing a brand new data set around uh, detection of audio fix. Uh, and this data set is gonna, it will, be, will have like around half a million examples from a large uh, number of speakers, um, uh, as well as one thing that we wanted to make sure was uh, the data set was very diverse uh, uh, demographically, so that way the models don't end up becoming biased towards a specific category. So, so far I talked about various uh, you know, machine learning approaches uh, for dealing with uh, misinformation. But machine learning approaches are just one, uh, and all, in fact all kind of software-based approaches are just one kind of uh, uh, arsenal in the ar artillery, if you will. Um, there are other two parts of this uh, puzzle, uh, or the, the solution puzzle, uh, that is education and policy. I'll briefly touch upon that, and we are actually you know, uh, talking to policymakers as well as people who are in the education space. Uh, but I think it's important for all of us machine learning and data science practitioners to actually become aware of some of these efforts and actually see how they uh, interact with the kind of technology solutions that we are building. So the, I'll first start with education. Um, so as I mentioned earlier, you know, we, we at least I, when I grew up, uh, I never took any course on how, how should I be reading Reddit, for example. Uh, uh, but on the other hand, uh, you know, today we can, we can create new content, new uh, courses uh, specifically tailored at high school students, 
university graduates, uh, I mean, uh, uh, undergrads, and to actually ask them uh, how, do, how can we, uh, you know, examine a piece of content in the context it was created, right, or in the context it was shared, uh, and what is the credibility of the source where, um, uh, where they got the content from, how was the content constructed? Was there any bias in, or what are some like loaded words, biased terms that people use in describing content, um, uh, describing any content that can make it very one-sided, if you will? And then how to collaborate, you know, whatever you see with other sources. So what do other news sites say about this, and so on? And what are the tools for doing that? And then how to compare right, uh, uh, and um, also compare with your uh, uh, friends and colleagues, okay? Um, and there is, uh, I, I, I wanna give one very, sh a shining example of this, which is, uh, uh, it's not a PC name, it's called Calling Bullshit, uh, and it's, it's, uh, it's a very beautiful course. It's available for free for everyone to take, uh, and it's created by Jevin West, uh, who is a professor at University of Washington. And now this course is being taught in, like, in a lot of different high schools and, uh, um, and even in university level. And the goal here is to see, okay, can we you know, spot misinformation when we're consuming um, news articles, scientific literature, or you know, any kind of uh, 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 social media post. So then there is this other big part of the puzzle that is policy. Uh, so there are so many things here that we will, I'll never have time to discuss, but uh, the, there are a lot of questions than answers, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, depending on your view. Um, uh, so how should information safety be uh, enforced, right? Like, I know. Uh, can we just let people just consume whatever they want, right? So the other side of the question is, uh, should it even be enforced, right? So, uh, and then uh, is, should there be like some sort of uh, overseeing body at the federal level that should uh, do this? Or how should this happen? How should this governance happen, right? Uh, and then what are the laws around this? Right, so if somebody creates some misinformation, what are the consequences for that, right? So what is the legal and policy scholarship? And people are working on it, um, and there is a law that got passed in California, for example, where, um, you know, um, uh, basically it's, it's almost a ban on deep fakes without creating any kind of context. And a similar deep fake ban was enacted just a couple days ago from China, in China. Uh, and, um, and this is interesting because uh, on the one hand, we really need this kind of legal frameworks for uh, understanding these, uh, these different kinds of uh, media misinformation attacks and misinformation uh, or dealing with these misinformation attacks and, uh, uh, and forgeries. But at the same time, you know, there is always this danger of overreacting and overreaching, uh, especially legally, because uh, and act class in a way that can stifle innovation, right? And this is this overreaction can come simply because we don't yet understand what is in front of us, 
and uh, and that's uh, that's dangerous because you know once something gets enacted as a law, it takes several years for the law to change, whereas innovation requires rapid changes, right? So we have to, on the one hand, we need to have these legal things in, in place, but on the other hand, uh, if we don't, as technology industry, if we do not participate at the level of policy and uh, you know, go uh, governance, uh, then we will risk you know, getting our innovation capability clipped in some way. So I, I want to say that you know, uh, deep fakes are here to stay because, I mean, starting from these Thai project, you know, projects that you have seen, like coloring the horse into a zebra, et cetera, or you know, gender, turning the day uh, into night and so on, to the kinds of products that you know, AI, AI Foundation and other company are, are building, the thing on the right is an example of a deep fake that was generated completely from scratch and it can talk and do any, uh, anything you want, you want to make it to do, right? Uh, and this is, as you can imagine, this, these sort of technologies have, have a lot of impact on education, on entertainment, and they have, uh, um, they can open up new applications in ways that we cannot even imagine today. It's kind of like internet. You, can, you internet opened up whole different kinds of uh, you know, applications that people who created the internet did not even imagine. So we cannot afford to curtail innovation in this space, but at the same time, we cannot also uh, be complacent. We we have to act responsibility, uh, responsibly, but and we also have to act with uh, care. So I'm going to leave you all with this message, but I really hope that you know this talk is not the end of this conversation. And I hope you'll all join me in this conversation later as well. And, and I also want all of you to come and work on these problems because the kind, the scale of problems that we are looking at is not like a single startup or even a single big corporation level problem, but these are gargantuan internet scale problems. So uh, with that in uh, conclusion, uh, I, uh, um, I really thank you all for, uh, for coming and for listening, and uh, uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks.